Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Seth Partnow is in the building. The absolute legend of <laughs> analytics in basketball. I, I mean, like the, the most publicly facing, uh, you know, analytics executive that used to work for a team. Because Hollinger, like he fucking rose too high. Like, fuck that guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I think I, um, Ben Falk has sort of, uh, by choice, oh, sort of been uh, been background facing. But yes, fine if he wanted. Like, the, certainly, the, the uh, I'll, I'll, I will take credit for being the most online of the, of the <laughs> for for better or worse. Oh my God! So Seth and Seth and I today, we are doing a 2019 NBA draft redraft, and oh boy. This is a this is a fun draft because it has not turned out well. I think is the fairest way to put it thus far. Um, I got to I got to four and had no idea what to do. <laughs> I mean, what I, what yeah, point did I, you have no idea what to do? I think that's right. And there's like it's also when do you start saying okay, well, it's reasonable to take. It, it would have been reasonable to take. Matisse Thibel here. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that, that's sort of a, uh, you know, that's a hard one or getting even deeper. It would have been, it would have been reasonable to take Lou Dort here. And I think when we get into the, some of the second round guys, like there's some, some dynamics that we need to, we need to acknowledge as well about, you know, why some guys get drafted and some guys don't. Was this, was this the service draft? No, it was Servetus draft? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was. <laughs> that was a that was a wild one. I mean, look, like all due respect to Didi, who I think is still on the like Pelicans roster, but that was a wild one. Um, th- by the way, this draft features the wildest of them all, right? Oh yeah, the uh, the, the you know the the, the legend Alan Smileyich. Yeah, the the Smilagich uh, stash in the Bay Area for years upon years, basically the getting leveraged to in order to do it too was that was the best part. Unbelievable! Like- <laughs> it's unbelievable. Okay, let's let's just set some ground rules here. We're gonna go. My theory is to twenty, and you have an hour, so we're just gonna go for an hour. And if we get to twenty, we get to twenty, basically. Um. I would think that we will get to 20 in an hour, but I don't put anything past us when we start talking. Right. Um, Number two, this is not just based off of what they are right now and what they have done already. This is still something of a projection in terms of what their value is going to be in the future. Now, Someone, someone like Cam Reddish is going to be the perfect example of this. Like I, I would almost guarantee because the structure of this episode is going to be that you go first and then I go second and then you go and then I go and we'll just go back and forth. Right. And then we'll talk about each pick after, but I would almost guarantee that I'm going to be the person to take Cam Reddish. Just knowing you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's yeah. I mean, and and I think when we get there, kind of the, the reasons why we'll sort of, we'll, we'll get to. Um, yeah. You now the the interesting thing is that that some of your arguments, if, especially if you're if we're defining it in terms of like, you know, value either as players or as kind of trade, uh, as as being involved mm-hmm. in trades, like um, some of the stuff that I'm going to 
complain about is actually go works in his favor. So, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, yeah but like trying to figure out what Cam Reddish is going to be in three years uh, is confounding on some level because he has not been very good so far. But then there are these like tantalizing flashes. Like he, he dropped made, 30 he made a few jump shots. Ago, he he like, made jump shots in a couple playoff games, though. So yeah, he's on right. his way. <laughs> um, and then there are guys that are injured. Like DeAndre Hunter has not played a ton of basketball, despite or, the fact that he's looked good. And then we're going to get to the guy at the top here. Come on, man. I'm I'm working up to a segue okay, part now. Okay, Come on. Sorry, sorry. So there's another guy at the top here. That has obviously become the biggest injury lightning rod, I would say, in the NBA at this point, in terms of what you think his value is long term. So that's a good five minute spiel on what our plan is. I'm going to give you the floor to take number one, unless you want me to do it. Like, I'm no. I'm OK either way. No, I mean, I think the other thing we, we do have to, to consider is I think we have to do a little bit of of kind of adjusting for what was knowable at the time. Like, yeah. I think if you were going to if you were really going to say who's going to have the better career from here between Zion and Ja, I think you probably have to lean Ja. Mm hmm. Just like, frankly, we don't know if Zion's ever going to be on the court again. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I know, it's right? no, I mean, like I, you know, it's, it's early morning for you. And if, if he saw the, the news that came out uh, today, it came up an hour ago. Yeah. He's, he is, you know, continuing to lightly rehab. It's not that great. Not great for a guy to have played basically half a season in his first three years. Um, and it's not like a, it's not like a, uh, an Embiid situation where he has an injury and just sits out. It's like he tries to play and then thing goes wrong, has surgery, tries to come back and fails. Um, well, so and like the, the Zion's frame in general is just like not yeah. something that seems human given the level of explosiveness that emanates from that frame. Right. And by the way, like we, we could say something similar about the guy that I think both you and I are going to like take at number one at this point. Um, in but, John Morant, like it's it, his body mechanics are unnatural in a very strange way, just in regard to like my heart drops every time that he leaps in traffic. Like, I get terrified every time John Morant like goes up, like straight legged landing, right? That, like, yeah. I'm terrified. So, there's some of that to this, too. Like, I, I don't know, man, but no, let's, I, let's I just mean, I, go ahead. I know. I still. I mean, you know, if if we're sort of going back in time and and ha- having what's happened so far to sort of evaluate with, I still kind of think you take Zion first. Like, I, I think that that he's kind of, you know, especially as so you say, let's, like, let, let's jump in. Let's just do yeah, it then. Yeah. So no, I still think you take Zion. pick Seth Part now. You go. I still think you take Zion first just because, you know, you've seen that he's a destroyer of worlds when he actually plays. And, you know, it's, I don't know if we can say we'll run his career 10 times, but I think if you, the, the median injury outcome is going to be better than his, the actual has been. I think, yeah, I, I feel re- like, so yeah, as, as played, it's, it, it's not good, but this is almost getting back to like Odin and Durant, right? Like Odin was yeah. really, really damn like, okay. Like 
Zion has been better when he's played than Morant has been when he's played, which wasn't quite the case for Durant and Odin. But like when he played, Odin was good enough to easily justify a first overall selection. Um, and I feel that way about Zion. And I just don't know if we can, you know, completely um, accept all of the the post injuries as as givens, you know? So, yeah, it's it's hard um, on some level, like Zion has always struggled with picking up minor injuries. Like in his senior year of high school, he missed a month of his senior year due to, if I remember correctly, like a sprained knee of some sort. Uh, at Duke, he missed a little bit of time because his shoe literally exploded on the court. Um like th- these little things have crept up over the years. Like this is not, I-, I think that like he had some sort of like fracture on like, like a wrist or like a hand or something like that going back in high school. Like th- there have been these little things in the past to where nothing has ever seemed, nothing ever seemed chronic at the time, but it's one of those like confirmation bias things to where if you wanted to see that if he like, if you wanted to see Zion Williamson's going to be an injury risk, the signs were there. Like he, he did consistently miss games throughout the course of his high school career, but none of it was ever chronic enough to where you believe like, okay, new Orleans, they just hired like Aaron Nelson from the Phoenix suns to run their like performance department. And you think that he gets with a strength and conditioning and diet program. Like it's all going to be fine. Like there, there, there were a number of things that would make you believe that Zion would be fine. There are a number of signs that would make you believe that Zion was not going to be fine. I think at the end of the day though, like Zion's really incredibly good and it's impossible to overstate how good he was as a 20 year old last year. He was so fucking good. Like he averaged 27 points and like eight rebounds and was the best force going toward the basket in the NBA. He's like one of the only players in the league that can be a legitimate true post-up threat because he's so quick and so dominant. Like Zion Williamson breaks my brain when he's on a basketball court, like consistently. I like, I think without hyperbole, I think you can make a case that, that Zion is the most, like when he was like, when he's been on the floor, it's the most destructive rim attacking force the NBA has seen since Will Chamberlain. You can make that. Yeah. Like, you, okay, so this is the graph that I've tweeted out a number of times. If you look at the like restricted area attempts per 100 possessions, he is about you know the 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 guys who for their career are kind of the elites are around 12. He's up around 20. Yeah, it's insane. Like, it, it you know, and that's and that's taking into account both the shot attempts and getting fouled. So you know, just it's it's it's. And that includes, by the way, that includes like, you know, some pretty good Shaq seasons and we don't have full data for all of Shaq's career, but based on kind of free throw rates and other stuff like that, like, I think we have a pretty good sense of where Shaq would have been. And Zion is still like shooting 40, like getting to the rim 40% more often than Shaq would have. Um, It's fucking crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And to, to add to that, I think, you know, just to – especially picking at the top of the draft, what are you aiming for? You're aiming for eliteness, right? You're not yeah. aiming for – so 60 games of elite is 
substantially better for that those purposes than 82 games of almost but not quite elite to my thinking. Yeah. So yeah. like you're talking about, okay, he's going to, you know, it's the Joel Embiid thing. He's going to miss 20 games. Is, is he on the floor in the playoffs? If he is great, that's, that's what we need. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't care if he, like if he misses back to backs for in, you know, January, who cares? Um, so that's, I mean, I think that is as for as good as Ja has been. And frankly, since we've talked about doing this pod over the last 10 days or so, <laughs> it's like, it's almost like he knew we were discussing this. It's like, don't forget. <laughs> and he's just, I mean, he's been just absurd for the last week and a half. So it makes no, me, gives me a little bit of pause, but I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. It's a hundred percent. Right. Having said that. So I'm up at number two here. Yeah. RJ Barrett. No, okay. I'm not taking RJ Barrett. I'm taking John Morant. I would, st- I would take John Morant at number one at this point. And this comes as someone who has been, as steadfast and strong up until like the last month or so that Zion is the guy that I would still take in 2019. I think he's unbelievable. I think that the elite level that Zion has reached is just so much better than anything we've seen from Josh so far. The last month, month and a half, the leap is real. Like the big thing with me with Ja was you kind of saw it in some playoff moments that the Grizzlies have played over the last year, two years, like big games late in the season and everything. When teams started to game plan against him, that teams would essentially just go under screens and he was not a consistent enough shooter to where he could beat those like defensive structures regularly. He couldn't necessarily create his own jump shot efficiently enough to be a real end of game threat that I think would make some game winners, but wouldn't be able to do it consistently enough to be able to lead the Grizzlies to a title or something like that. Right. So far this year, John Moran is averaging 25 points a game, shooting 49% from the field and 40% from three on four attempts per game. Not a crazy volume from three. Most of those four attempts per game are pull-ups. He's making just enough of them to keep defenders honest now to where I think that over the course of the next few years, I actually think John Moran is going to be a legitimate end-of-game closer that the Grizzlies can count on. And to me, with that being the case, look, Zion and Ja are both like defensive nightmares right now. Like we can just call that out. Like they're both really bad on that end. So this conversation, I think we just like throw out the defensive side. Do you agree? It, I mean, I will say again, this is contradicting picking Zion once, like I feel like you get away with your, you can get away with, especially with, with the willingness of teams to play kind of a second point guard ish guy to, to be a, if you like, if you paired him with a Caruso or a Beverly or someone right. of that ilk, and you know, Tyus Jones is this a little bit on smaller on smaller guards at least, um, then you can kind of you can mitigate sort of bad your your lead guard being a bad defender in a way that your your guy who is probably best as a five you can't. Yeah, like I, I would also make the case though that like if Zion figures it out uh, on defense in terms of like conditioning and rotations, like his upside is much higher. I would also say that in the playoffs teams are just going to hunt Ja to some extent. 
right? Like they're just going to try and get him switched on, get him switched on. You know, if you're playing Kawhi Leonard, whenever they play the Clippers in the playoffs, right? Like the Clippers are just going to hunt these screening actions to get Paul George and Kawhi oh. Leonard matched up on John Morant. Right, you're, like you're that's going to happen. I'm, I'm pre annoyed for the soft switching we're going to see in the playoffs already. I'm just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to happen. Like, you know, this they, is what it is. Like they're running a ball screen that is like 30 feet from the basket going parallel to the basket. Why do you need to switch? Don't just fight through and right. Anyway, um, that's, but, that, that's something so for I, Mo and I to, to uh, <laughs> bitch about continuously on there. But so yeah. I, I guess that what I would say is like, they both give back stuff defensively to the point where like, I don't even know that it's worth diving into the defense with, when making this pick. Yeah. I think it's purely about like, who do you think is going to be the guy that you can trust offensively? When he's on the court, I would take Zion. I, I would. Like, I, I think that I would trust Zion at the end. Of, like, maybe not at the end of the game. I might rather have John Morant, like, create a shot at the end of games now. But for the course of 38 minutes or whatever he's going to play in the playoffs, I think I'd rather have Zion Williamson because I think that the pressure he puts on the rim is better. I, I can't trust Zion to stay healthy. I can't do it. Like, I feel bad about it, and I think that Ja has closed the difference in terms of what they look like when they are elite and when they are at their best to where I'm willing to make that trade-off now. Like, I'm willing to say, okay, Ja Morant has been the fourth best guard in the NBA this year, something like that, the third best guard. Like in the in that ballpark, like Trey Young has actually been like sneaky incredible this year, uh, even though the Hawks have not been very good. Like he's been phenomenal across the board. Obviously, Stephen Curry I think is number one, but all the other MVP candidates are bigs right now. Like Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic. Um, I mean, maybe Demar Derozan uh, I think would stand out like as a guard, but he's you know not really the kind of guy we're talking about in this conversation. I think. This is probably, I mean, it's, it's worth pointing out that, like, since getting off to a rough start, James Harden has been really good for the last six weeks or so. But, yeah, that's it, – yeah. it's sort of easy. He, he, like, this is something that happens as a guy gets off to a bad start of a season and everyone sort of forgets about him. Or someone gets off to a good start of the season and he just is sort of assumed to be that guy for the rest of the year. But we'll talk well, about Harden, that. Harden, yeah. Harden like, Harden that. played himself into shape. Yeah. Like, Harden was, like, out of shape to start yeah. the year. And now he's he's back to being James Harden. Yeah. which is really good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, look, put it this way. If we are, there's no way you can say that over the course of the full season, accounting for everything, James Harden has been a more effective player than John Moran. Yes, so. I think that's right. Yeah. I think, it, um, I think you're right. I mean, like I would take Ja over both of the Utah guys. I would take Ja over Chris Paul right now. I think like in terms of just effectiveness this year, not to say Chris has been bad, but like Chris is another All NBA guy, and I think I would take John Morant over Chris Paul right now. Is 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 John Morant getting Bismack Biombo to double doubles? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> and you know, that's a real good the point. Ra- the, before the Raptors fans yell at me again, I know that Kyle Lowry did it too six years ago, but that wasn't like wasn't uh, that wasn't Bismack Biombo signed off the street. That was like recent lottery pick Bismack. Biombo. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I, I digress. Um, but Chris Paul, the thing with Chris Paul this year is that the shooting has not been quite as elite as what it's been in the past. Um, you know, he, he's still a much better defender 
than John Moran is. So there are trade-offs. Like I think that that's the class of player though, that Morant is playing in right now. Um, I would not say that he's like a top five MVP candidate, but if I went to 10, I don't think I could get to 10 before I got to Ja. I mean, you know, the way I would put it is, you know, I like to think of the league in tiers and like, as of right now, I'm going to have to think long and hard about whether like Ja goes in tier two next year if like yeah. the season ended yeah i would have to and that's like a top 15 top 20 type player i'd have to think yeah. long and hard about that like that's on the level of like the sort of the paul george jimmy butler like chris paul level of guys and like that's just it's one of those honored to be nominated kind of things just even that he's played well enough to even be in that 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 piece of the discussion yeah totally i, I mean to me I would rather have the guy that I feel very good at some point in the next three years is going to be a top 10 player in the league. Yeah. We've, I've seen enough to where I'm like willing to say that, yeah. that he's going to be that over Zion Williamson, who has struggled to play. No. So, I, and, I, and I think that, I think that, that we don't really differ in our opinions, just sort of yeah. how much, how much hindsight we're sort of allowing into right. Like how much perfect hindsight we're allowing going to transport ourselves back to the draft. So, and and frankly, like that almost comes up at the the next spot as well. Like in terms of the guy who has been the third best player went on the floor, at least the last couple of years, he was bad as a rookie, but the last couple of years when he like DeAndre Hunter has been the third best player, but he's, you know, you talked about, you know, um, yeah. Uh, Zion always being hurt like you know uh, DeAndre Hunter like broke his foot right before the NCA and and like was his foot right was it, uh, uh, broke his foot right before the NCA tournament yeah. in his red shirt freshman year and yeah. then came back for a sophomore year yeah I mean so these are and then he's just kind of you know picked up these little injuries got injured in the playoffs last year but his his has been injured much of this year so yeah so that like do you take that or I mean, then you then there's sort of a group of guys that like maybe haven't been quite as good over their career, but have been more available. Like, I mean, do you, do Darius Garland or, or yeah. is, I think this is like I, the player type of Tyler Hero is not a guy that I would feel awesome taking there. Like, I don't know. I like. I, is this? A, I'll, is, I'll be am, honest. Am I, I, to throw, am I allowed to throw out names? for guys like that I would like consider here based on what we know. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I will say, I think Garland's like pretty clearly the pick here. I, you know, I would, I would frankly think about Daniel Gafford here. I'd go way down and, and, and oh, you're on drugs taking Daniel Gafford <laughs> over Darius Garland. Okay. Fair enough. Wait, why? Um, no, <laughs> I, I like just, Gafford, I just, but yeah. like, I mean, I, like I was we, surprised to have Gafford at like, I was like, oh yeah, like I have Gafford at like twelve or thirteen on my board. Like I, I'm, I'm like down there on him. All right, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Wait, um, what, give me, give me the Gafford pitch here over Darius just, Harley because yeah, now I mean, I'm fascinated. Um, just you know, it's a straightforward like high level rim runner, rim protector, big plug and play with with most teams. Um, not a not a ton of like regression concerns like is Darius Garland going to continue to make every, like make every jump shot is like, what is Darius Garland going to look like the rest of the season when he isn't playing next to another reasonably high level ball handler? 
which I think, especially after yeah. Carl Sexton got hurt, I think, you know, the, the pairing with Ricky Rubio really helped him. No, um, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, um, I do agree with that. And I think that there are, I think Garland, the reason I would take Garland at three, like very obviously, yeah. is because I, I, I think but, he's, to be clear, I, I would take Garland at three. I'm just sort yeah. of like, this is like, that's the universe I'm talking about. Um, so so the, the reason I would take Garland at three is because I think that his game is particularly scalable to the playoffs because he can play both on and off the ball. Like they are capable of playing him. Like Darius Garland's never going to be like the number one option on an NBA championship team. So you're going to need to go get like a big wing to play next to him. Like I think if you played him next to even like Chris Middleton or something like that, like his ability to play on the ball. And then, oh, by the way, Chris Middleton brings the ball up the court, initiates the set. Darius Garland sprints off of screens. Like Darius Garland came up playing as a two guard and all of that off ball movement stuff is really translated to his game. So you're, uh, you're almost describing him like you're thinking of him as almost a poor man, Steph. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I hadn't considered it that way, but that's, I, I think that's a reasonable, I think that's a reasonable kind of archetype rather than to, to sort of, drop him into like the, the point guard box. And, well, I and, think that like he can distribute and play yeah. as a point. Like, I, I think that like he absolutely has shown that he can do that this year and he's been really, really good at doing that this year. But I, I like the fact that he's scalable both on and off the ball. And to me, those guys tend to be the kind of lead guards that can be successful in the playoffs. Like I think whenever they get, or whenever they get like optimized Evan Mobley, like, creating and handling the ball and like bringing it up the court regularly and like running sets and stuff like that. Like Darius Garland is going to be the perfect guard for him. I think. Are you, So are you worried about this? Is, and this is sort of the worry about Garland. Are you worried not just about the defense, but mm-hmm. about his ability to withstand sort of the overall, you know, I, I think one of the things we've seen over the last years is aside from guys who are just like water bug elite, like jaw, like, like strength is like physical sturdiness is very important. And it, and it seems like, like, you know, later rounds of the playoffs, which is again, what we, what you're sort of thinking about at this top part of the draft, like you do have worries that, you know, he's gonna, you know, the, 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 there's going to be an eclipse and you won't be able to see him anymore because he's, he's, he's small. Um, and you know, poor on top of small, like not like, um, not like sticky hands, like sneaky, sneakily, um, impactful defensively, like some other small guys maybe can get away with. So well, no, no, he's, he's like slight as well. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think that like he's small and slight, he's a little bit long. Like I think he does a decent job, like contesting and he battles around screens to an extent, uh, within not, their but scheme, he's not, but, like, he's the not kind of guy. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it, it really helped him to be playing next to Ricky Rubio in the backcourt so that he didn't have to take on the toughest assignment in the backcourt a lot of nights. Yeah. Right. Like that was really beneficial to him. Having said that, like, look, this is a dude that can look defensively. You're hundred percent right. Like to answer your question. Yes. I'm concerned. Like very, very concerned about him on defense in the playoffs. I think that he'll like withstand like to the point where he won't like get hurt. Like he might wear down a little bit. Like, I think that might be more what you're talking about is like just wearing down and like maybe 
shooting 42% from three goes to shooting 38% from three in the playoffs. Well, it's also because the, he's the getting to being able just to be able to get, get the spots on the floor as you know, guys yeah. are allowed to be a little either because they're the, the game is called differently or it's players of a certain stature who can maybe uh, get a little more leeway to be, you know, yeah, put forearms and maybe even hands on guys on the perimeter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just, just worried about his ability to get the spots in that, uh, in that, you know, you, so it's sort of like the continuum of guy we're talking about is like the top end is, is, uh, um, is Steph and the bottom end is DJ Augustin. Right. And, and the guy who is just can't function in the playoffs for that reason. So, um, and, and, you know, I, I think he's, I, I like, I don't want to say he's DJ Augustin, but like, that's the continuum of flair we're talking about. And so as the level, decreases you do start to worry about like that drawback but i like i agree i still think like of a bad lot he's probably the guy you take third i guess kind of hold like gotta take somebody can't can't say i trade down because uh, <laughs> someone has to want to trade up so and i don't think yeah i don't think you'd give me i don't think you'd give me uh uh six and ten to for three <laughs> yeah like uh, I'm just like trying to figure out like how many lead guards have averaged like 19 and seven before their 22nd birthday or like, but before like they turn 23. I mean, the number is not large. It's let's see here. We've got LaMelo, Luca, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, Kevin Johnson, Magic Johnson, Stefan Marbury, Ja, Chris Paul, Oscar Robertson, Derek Rose, Damon Stoudemire, Isaiah Thomas, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young. Like that, that's the like sand lot that Darius Garland's playing in right now. Um, and he's doing so efficiently and he's doing so for a winning team. I think that, like, there, I mean, it's just hard for me to go past that, I guess. Like, it's well, I again, I, I picked him at three, so it's not like I'm, I'm yeah. sort of arguing against myself, but uh, so anyway, so um, who, who you got it for? We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. 
NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay. Let's, um, <laughs> so here, here's where you're going to yell at me. Are you, you, you going to take Cam Reddish at four? Seriously? I'm not taking Cam Reddish okay. at four. I, I'm like trying to decide between RJ Barrett and DeAndre Hunter at four still. <laughs> really? Um, I am because I think RJ has been good enough on defense to where, there's still like a ceiling there if the jumper ever gets figured out. DeAndre, just to if if DeAndre hadn't missed as much time as he had, it like I wouldn't be thinking about it. Like I would take DeAndre Hunter, but DeAndre Hunter has played 97 games in three years so far, or two and a half years so far. Yeah, um, th- that's there's hard still, for me. And then, no, like by the way, n- this year he has not been. He was not good. Like in the 11 games he played. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, so I mean, RJ, like RJ had some good games at the start of the year and has had one or yeah. two lately, but he's been not good, you know, not, you know, I, that, uh, I, I heard about my, my opinion of RJ and like not having him in the player tiers this summer. I have not heard much about that recently, put it that way. Yeah. Like, look, I mean, he shot 17, he went like 17, six and three on 40% from three and 44% from the field last year. He played pretty strong defense, like as a 21 year old or a 20 year old, whatever he was last year, like that's really strong this year. It's not been as good because the shooting has regressed. Now the question is like, is he going to be one of those guys that like starts his season shooting poorly and then like pushes up like throughout the course of the year? Because some guys are like that, like the number like kind of pushes up because we've seen that in both of his first two years so far if I remember correctly, like he's gone from shooting, he's shooting like 32 in his first, like 30 games last year. And then ended up at 40. Um, the fresh, the rookie year, I think he was shooting super low and then ended up, you know, right around like what, 32, 33, something like that as a rookie. Um, yeah. I mean, like, look, the, the thing that worries me about RJ is like the lack of shiftiness in comparison. Like, I thought that he might be able to add some different stuff, but at the end of the day, like he needs to shoot. He needs the threat of the jumper in order to make like his attack oriented profile work. Because if the jumper isn't there, he's not shifty enough to go like right to left, left to right, hesitation, step back, 
bam, right? Like and, everything he does in terms of shiftiness is after he picks up the ball right. and like is Euro stepping and getting to the basket. And also he's not a good enough like finisher against a contest to, 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 you know, play that kind of big boy role, get a guy on your shoulder and, and kind of, you know, the, the thing that we're kind of, we, we are anticipating Cade being able to do as he gets stronger. Like he's already yeah. shown signs of that. But it's like yeah. sort of the uh, the the Kate's much longer as well as like yeah. a, it really helps. Like Kate has like a seven foot wingspan. Yeah. RJ has like a six eight wingspan, something like. But that. I mean, but like you know, with his 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 build and, and size, he he is someone who who you would think would be able to physical his way to decent finishing, and that's something that has not really come along either. So well, yeah, it's like the it's the touch through contact yeah. that he doesn't like have. It seems like. Um, yeah. I, again, though, like, do I really like RJ Barrett has been like a fucking workhorse, though, like throughout the course of his career so far. Like he doesn't really miss games like he's tough. He his body takes the wear and tear. He's much younger than DeAndre Hunter. Like, I don't how know. Like, it, how sad is it for this draft that we're at four? And we're like, hey, he's an innings eater. See, this is this is what I said though. Like from the jump, I was like, I got to four, and I was like, I don't know. Like, like, do you, do you bet on Matisse Thibel figuring out how to shoot? Like, this is this is the first spot yeah. where I really considered Matisse Thibel. I also considered Tyler Hero here, um, but like, do we do we trust Tyler Hero to hold up defensively in the playoffs? I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, do, do I, I guess he's held he held up enough like for them to get to the finals. As, as a rookie, right? I mean, do we trust? Do we also trust him as as a consistent tough shot maker? To, yeah. To you know, for again, for a guy who doesn't doesn't get the basket, doesn't does not get easy points. Um, you know, that's sort of a, a, a tough profile. Like, if you can do that and be efficient, it's really good. It's really hard, and and it takes yeah. a lot of it takes a lot of like I'm. It's a player type I'm skeptical of because it's a, it's like when it's working it looks great and everyone thinks it's awesome and then you look at the numbers and he's you know this year he's making every shot so it looks great but it's like um, sort of the the height of this is like Donovan Mitchell who like has seems like he shot the crap out of the ball this year and this is his first year where he's above league average efficiency and it's only barely so yeah. it's like it's it's you know that's that's the diet you're trying to live on that's a that's a you know it's a tough diet. But it really is. Um, yeah. Did you have you did you consider Keldon Johnson here? Like he was my last guy that like I really kind of threw I, into this. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't I don't totally get it with Keldon Johnson. So no, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't consider him there. Like I don't know. I think a lot of what you said about RJ, like yeah. So his his best stuff is sort of that dependability kind of thing, and right. like. Ideally, I'd be looking for more at this point in the draft, but there just might not be unless you're willing to get wild and like, no, like, you know, Daniel Gafford is going to be Clint Capella, uh, which, you know, is kind of why I threw the, threw the name out there. You know, it's uh, honestly like he, he might be Clint Capella and I still would take RJ Barrett. Over all right. him. All right. Like, I think that that's like the philosophical difference between right. you and I for sure is like, well, I would just rather have the wing and like pray that the wing learns to shoot. You know what I mean? I, like I, I, in general, I would too. I'm just like, okay, 
who is it? <laughs> like, like so, so here, let's let, let's ask this question and then yeah. we'll move on and we'll kind of yeah. buzz through this group yeah. of players because we've kind of talked about them enough yeah. at this point. Um, if RJ Barrett, if you trusted RJ Barrett to be a 38% three point shooter by the time he's 24 years old, let's say, would he be the obvious pick? Cause it's, I mean, it depends. It's not just like, you're also like, what kind of, is he a, is he like an 18 to 22 usage guy? Or is he guy as a guy who can be, you know, league average efficiency, 38% three point shooter and otherwise like fine um, at like a 25 usage and have missed some yeah. playmaking. Like, is he just a guy who is like a, a big defensive body and can, can stick an open jumper. Like it's fine. But that's like well, on a I think, on a championship team. Is that a is that that's is that maybe a fifth starter, but more likely a seventh guy? Like where do you know where do you draft Pat Connaughton? You know, that's, well, so if he's if he's shooting thirty eight from three, right, with everything else he can do in terms of like he can attack closeouts, he can get to the rim. Like we have to hope that like the contact balance and touch through contact, like maybe that is just not something he has, right? Like he just might not have it. But maybe that can improve. Yeah. Um, so, but I think two, that's that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. But like, if those two things improve, like, I think that he can be like a maybe like a third best player on a conference finalist team, right? Like something like yeah. that, right? Like he'd be at that point, he'd be like a twenty point per game, thirty eight percent from three, maybe forty four, forty five percent from the field, maybe maybe forty five percent from the field. Let's say plus defender on the way. So and that that's that's like a you know a good that's a good third best player on like a good team. So right? I mean it's like you're you're like what you're like you're you're sort of describing the Jeremy Grant we got last year. And I guess like Yeah, yeah and I, and a I little think bit. that's like yeah you I mean if that's what you if that's what you're projecting, yeah you take him there. Like I think, yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, if, I think, if you put it that way, then yeah, no, that that makes sense. It's it's just you know, those those question marks are they're sizable. Real. Yeah, yeah, they're real. I agree. I, I'm still willing to bet on him because like he's just a like crazy worker on some level. Like he's a really good, like cares about basketball, like has a great attitude about it. But like, yeah, like I, I would say R.J. Barrett at four for me. Okay. Sure. Um, you're going to oh. take DeAndre Hunter at five. Do you just I want to do I'm, like a quick? I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to. You know, I've talked myself into Daniel Gafford, and you've talked me out of DeAndre Hunter being able to stay on the floor. So I'm going to take Daniel Gafford here. <laughs> okay, give me give me a couple minutes on Daniel Gafford because I think yeah. this is a wild pick. <laughs> no, I, I it just I, I mean this is as, again as much about the flaws of everybody else. It's just yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's not hard to see how is he ever the best player or a linchpin of a, of a top team? No. Is he a very useful, like high level rim runner, rim protector gives you 28 minutes of plus center play a night. Um, can, can really like, I don't want to say conform the anchor, be the anchor of a good defense, but is a, a no, strong yeah. building block of a good defense. Cause cause he, again, yeah. Is, very like very good like good on the boards on both ends like again this is not this is, he's not there's nothing sexy about what he brings but this is as, this is more uh, like a vote of no confidence in everybody else than it is like I like Daniel Gafford but him being this high is and and you, we got, we have to remember that like 
it was actually it was genuinely shocking that he fell to where he did in, in, yeah, in totally. drafts. Like yeah. he was, you know, for much of his freshman year, he was a top ten, he was a top ten range guy. Like Yeah, no, I, I ended weird. up with like, him at like I think twenty or so. And yeah. then he falls to like forty or whatever yeah. he fell to. Um yeah, no, I, I agree. That was a surprise. Um and and I think some of like, you know, he has he's like like it seems like kind of the asthma issues, which which kind of limited his ability yeah. to play longer stints. It seems like that has resolved to some degree. Yeah, um, I mean, like he's still only playing twenty three minutes a night. Like I, I'm, I'm unconvinced that he'll ever be more than like a twenty five minute a game guy. Um, I mean, I mean I think that's, that's, that's as much bad. as them having Harrell as it is like. I'm going to do something that's really going to make you mad. So okay. this is going to be fun. You're going to okay. have like a meltdown on the podcast. Okay. Like okay. people watching this, people watching this, I want you to just watch Seth's face as I say this. So, so far this year with Daniel Gafford on the court, the wizards are seven points worse than like when he's off the court defensively. And they're worse on offense, obviously when he's on the court, because Montrezl Harrell is like very useful and valuable. Like he has a good backup behind him. Like, does the fact that they are like nine points worse when Daniel Gafford's on the court versus when he's off the court frustrate you? Or like, does that give you pause at all? Because <laughs> I know how much you hate like the idea of like team based on off numbers, but like that's I, a no, stark I do think number. that I, th- I do think that is it like for a for a center that is a that is a number to consider. But like, but on the other hand, like on-off stuff this year is just going to be wacky. It's oh, just, horrible. Yeah. It's going to, it's just going to like, cause like the, the mix of who a guy is with and against like is so, so discombobulated by, you know, yep. who's, who's available. So like, I don't know, like, would that give me pause? Yes. At the same time, I know he's a good rim protector. So yeah, like put, put, you know, good defensive point of attack guys in front of them and you have a good defense. Yeah. Like, I think that's um, it. Like, do, you, do you have, do you have uh, elite? Is he, is he the foundation of an elite defense without some really like high level perimeter guys? Probably not. But like, if you go, if you have, you know, pretty good defenders around him, does that get you to like the number eight defense? I, I think that's, that's, that's reasonable. And the, you know, I don't think anyone would say the Wizards have like a whole lot of you know their their best defender. Otherwise, might be Kyle Kuzma. Is that like um, KCP? Probably yeah, KCP. I would say. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you know, but Kuzma not, is not bad defensively. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So I, I so. guess that here here would be the the final question I'll pose for you on Gafford. Uh, do you ever think he will be a top fifteen center in the NBA? I mean, because I, I can't take a guy that I think like I, I don't know that he'll ever play the minute load to be a top fifteen center in the NBA, frankly. Um, so like I just couldn't take that guy here. But like I understand what you're saying. Like it's it's not like there's I mean the obvious. Like how how? But I mean the, again, the flip side is how many of the other the, these other guys are going to be top thirty wings in the league? You know, that's yeah. Um, no, I agree. That's that's again. It's if I if I believed in you know Fiebel as an offensive player, if I believed yeah. in Hunter's health, if I believed in, if, if, if I believed Cam Johnson was three years younger, 
Uh, <laughs> like those would be kind of kind of things I think about, but like I don't believe those things either. So it's yeah. sort of the it's it's the the it's the kind of the most certainty out of a unpalatable bundle, I guess. Okay, so I'm going to go Tyler Hero at six. We've talked a little bit about him. Hero has just been a really good, tough shot maker this year. And I'm. My opinion of it is buoyed by the fact that the Heat figured out how to defend with him in the playoffs when he was a rookie. Like, he was not good defensively as a rookie, and they figured it out. Like, I think that. In Miami, they will continue to figure it out. And they are very, he is very well insulated, surrounded by Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo to where they're going to be able to make it work. And I think having him any lower than six here is going to look bad. Uh, if make we the case for me why, why, because there's some, there's some similarities, I think. Make the case for me why Hero and not Jordan Poole. I think that Hero, because I, I agree with you. Both, very... both from Milwaukee, by the way. So, like. <laughs> and, and by the way, like, I did not like. I, I was not super high on either of these guys coming in. Neither was and I. No. They've, yeah, they've both, like, really become the tough shot makers. I, I have Poole, like, right in this range as well. I, I would go Hero. I think he's a little bit more creative off the bounce than Poole. Poole stuff is, like, a lot of straight line, a lot of just, like, attacking toward the basket and making shots. And I think that he also gets more open looks than what Tyler Hero does right now, just playing next to Stephen Curry, playing next to Draymond Green. Obviously, he runs like a lot of their bench units and is tasked with creating offense whenever those guys are off the court. Um, I don't love those minutes for him all the time. Um, in the case of Hero, like I think Hero looks a lot better when he's running – things as opposed to like playing as like a secondary guy. Like if I, if I needed a secondary guy, I would say pool. If I needed a um, guy that can come in and like get a shot, which I think is what the playoffs end up being a lot of the time. Um, having another guy in there that can get a shot. I would go hero. I do think that like, this is a toss up. Like it's very close. Sure. Um, so I, I think that since this is not a player, that's not a player type I love. I think this yeah. is probably where I slot Hunter in. Is after you didn't, you didn't okay. take Hunter, did you? No, I think I, this I is didn't. where. No, we're, we're up to where, seven. And yeah, this is this is where I this is where I like. Okay, he can he can score. He can defend. He can score in in, in a variety of ways. <laughs> he can defend. Uh, he can defend multiple positions if he can stay yeah. on the court. And it's just like okay, like. Um, the healthy best slightly better than three and D guy. Cause yeah, I think he has a little more with the ball in his hands than the, the typical three and D guy. Yep. So I think that that's, uh, and, and also he's someone who um, unlike, I think I feel more confident about the D than for a lot of guys who get, Oh, I'll be three and D guy. Yeah. Um, just because it's kind of every level he's been kind of pretty damn good defensively. Yeah, totally. No, I, I think that like healthy DeAndre Hunter is very clearly like either three or four. It's just hard to project that at this point, given what we've seen from him thus far. Okay, I'm going to take Jordan Poole at number eight. 
Okay. Th- that's that's my guy. So number nine, he's averaging like 19 points, shooting really well from three. Uh, he's become like a real creative force with the ball in his hands. Um, yeah, I- I'm going to go Jordan Poole at number eight. You are up at number nine now. I think I go, I mean, a different, completely different player, but I think almost similar logic to Gafford is I'm going to go Cam Johnson at nine. Just okay, like, so why, why Cam Johnson's terrific shooting and offense over Matisse Thibel's terrific defense and questionable offense? Um, I mean, because I, I think that decent defense and kind of very good shooting is more is more playoff mm-hmm. reliable than um, a guy who you know you can help off of. And yep. at this point, Thibel is a guy you know you can help off of. Um, and I think that that's, you know, maybe it's it's sort of been the extreme lack of, you know, uh, perimeter creation that Philly's had the last couple of years. But it really seems like that's that's been a glaring thing in, in the postseason for the Sixers. Yeah. No, I, I don't mind this pick. I had Cam Johnson at it looks like 12 on mine. So you're kind of right in the ballpark. Like, I think it's in like, there are a couple guys like on here that we've talked about that. I know you're not like a super fan of, um, at number 10, I'm going to go Keldon Johnson. I am higher on Keldon than you. Cause I think I'm just higher on this player type than you. I, I think I also though tend to buy into guys learning to shoot over the course of like, by the time they're 25, a little bit more than you do. Like, I think Keldon's like attack oriented game and ability to like put pressure on the basket as, as a transition threat, as a closeout attacking threat. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a more interesting player type to me than even like a thigh bowl, especially given that I trust Keldon to be like a pretty good defender in big moments, uh, when the game is going to matter, obviously he hasn't played a lot of those yet. Uh, but he's just such a competitive dude that like, I, I think that he's going to make it work whenever those moments matter. He's averaging like 15 points and six rebounds, something like that this year. Uh, that's basically on par with last year. Uh, if you told me he was to take a pretty big leap as he learns to really shoot the ball over the course of the next few years, hopefully I would not be surprised by that. It's fair enough. I mean, you know, it's, 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 he's very much a, your miles my, my very kind of player based on sort of your yeah. projection of those things. Um, I'm at, I'm up at 11 now. Is that right? You're up at 11. I think I would like the guy, like, I think my, one of my like list of, Hey, a good team should trade for this guy. Uh, players is PJ Washington. Um, I had PJ Washington at 11. I, I don't have him. I, I have two guys ahead of him that haven't been taken yet, but uh, yeah, like I, I think this it's, is the it's sort of the, the, like, versatility can play some can play small ball five it hasn't been awesome defensively for charlotte but like nothing has been awesome defensively for charlotte um and you know can step out on the floor can protect the rim a little i think has is is just is i think this is a player type kind of the combo forward who can play some five that i think we've seen be very useful in in across multiple situations in in the playoffs and and so is he ever going to be a star no is he going to be a guy who is like that son of a bitch when he beats your team in the playoffs like like he's the kind of guy you can see that did you have him ahead of the pool and hero group just knowing you i can see that man 
Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, I, again, that I don't surprise me. This is, I mean, this is again, this is sort of a that's a, this is a player type issue, and and like if if Pool and Harrow can't be tough shot makers, they kind of can't be on the floor, right? So you know, whereas there's a lot of different ways for PJ to be playable. Yeah. No, I think that's dead right. Like the the upside like ceiling is just much higher with Hero, yep. like if the shot making continues. Yep. But like Washington, the floor is higher. Like he's gonna play in the yep. playoffs. Like yep. I have no question about that. Yeah. This is the gross one. So I'm up at number twelve. Yeah. I have to decide between Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish. I uh, think do this I is a take very, this is a very easy call for me, but go ahead. <laughs> I know it is. Do I take the upside that Cam Reddish can actualize the flashes or do I take like legitimate top five perimeter defender in the NBA? Um, yeah, I'm going to go Matisse. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. Don't don't bet on the halo effect. You know, it's yeah. I think like Reddish is if if like I feel like Reddish still carries like. The, the 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 hype of of what he was coming into Duke, and there's just only been like, and every bit of flash that there's been since then hasn't been evaluated. Hey, that was a flash of something interesting. That's it's been yeah. a see. I told you he could do that. It's like okay, well, how that happens you? a lot. That happens more with Cam Reddish than maybe any player in the NBA. I think, like Atlanta fans are so, like for whatever reason, connected to him, and connected to the idea of him. That that I think that exactly what you're saying happens more with Cam Reddish than any player in the league because they get so excited when there's like that confirmation bias of that little flashy moment when in reality, like the game to game is messy yep. right now. The, the question is like he very clearly has like so much ridiculous talent and ceiling. Can can he actualize it? I don't know. Like I, I frankly do not know if that's going to come at any point. Um, But Matisse Thibel, I know is one of the five best perimeter defenders in the league. If you believe that he can learn to shoot and he's like a really good kid, good worker, like all of that uh, positive stuff comes into play with Matisse. Yeah. I I think it's a reasonable bet. Okay. Um, You're up at 13. So, my two kind of the, the two guys I'm looking at here are Nick Claxton and Lou Dort. Yeah, I have Lou coming up here. I have Claxton a little bit lower. Yeah. I would say. Um, and these are both guys that I liked pre draft compared yeah. to where they were picked. I had Claxton, I think, at like 20 and Lou Dort at like 27 or so. Yeah, I think I'm. Hmm. It's sort of the 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 player type that I kind of like think has more portable value versus the guy who's like shown himself to be no he, I mean you know what like Dort first kind of you know Dort held up well in his you know his one playoff appearance yeah. so I think I like um, and I think there's a little bit of I'm not sure what I'm doing but this is working to that but I think <laughs> but I think so I think I'll go with that like I mean they were you know but yeah. a, a bucket or two from from beating Houston so I yeah think that, I think that like I'll, I'll I think I'll just I'll stick I'll go with Dort and you know you can never have enough wings who can do stuff 
Um, and defend, like defend yeah, at a high defend, level. Yeah. Like he's he's strong as hell. He can defend multiple position types. He's quick. He can defend guards. He can make life miserable for those players. He's turned into enough of a reasonable shooter to where I think that it's fine. Um, I am going to take Cam Reddish at 14. I'm just going to take the upside swing. The, the question is, do, do I take Cam Reddish or do I take... So Cody Martin is my next guy after Cam Reddish. Um, I, I would rather just take like Cam Reddish. That's one where I'm like, okay, I will take the upside swing on Cam Reddish over Cody Martin, who is like the epitome of a rotational wing that realistically is like a you know seventh sure. man. Basically. Sure. Um, you know, having having heard that, I think I'll I'll uh, I'm at fifteen now, or I'm at you're at fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, I think. Uh, Claxton, um, you know, he's a switchable defender. Um, yep. Maybe you worry about, you maybe worry about kind of the, the strength inside, but like, again, a switch, a switchable guy who can, who can defend the rim a little bit and rim run. Like, yep. is, is that, a, is he uh, like you, uh, what you said about Gafford, like, is he ever a top 15 center in the NBA now? Um, is he, but is he a guy who's going to be a useful athletic playable guy in in multiple scenarios like yeah yeah i think he probably will be um i I would like to see a little bit more feel like i had claxton Mm -hmm. in the 20s to be honest because the feel stuff has been a little bit concerning for me like he doesn't seem to make awesome passing reads like it it's speed more than anything like when the game rushes at him like it will in the playoffs uh, i'm a little bit worried about how that looks um at number 16, I'm just going to go Cody Martin. He's been a consistent shooter this year. He's a tough positional defender. Um, perfect guy next to have next to LaMelo Ball. Uh, just knows how to play. His feel for the game is absolutely exceptional. Uh, he's going to play in the NBA until he's in his like early 30s. And that's a valuable piece. Uh, yeah, Cody Martin, 16. So coming down to the end of our, our little exercise here, there's a number, like I'll just throw out some names of guys who yeah. I start to look at here. And it's like Brandon Clark, Grant Williams. I think not, not as yep. little is a guy you, you start to, yep. you know, has, has shown enough that you start to, to, to think about him here. So um, for, for what it's worth, the next guys on my list here are, uh, sorry, I lost my spot. Brandon Clark, Grant Williams, Chuma Okiki, Nas Little. Yeah, I think so. That's, you I, I just like said all of them. Yeah, I think I think um, maybe I don't know. Is there someone else you'd put in for for Okiki? I don't know. Um, he's a guy who I really liked pre-draft and is just kind of hasn't really had the chance to show much. So he he um, was really good in his stint last year near the end of the year, yeah. but that's really all we've seen of him, yeah. like at a high level so far. And this year he has not been very good. He's been snake bitten by injuries. I think that they gave him like a conditioning designation um, a couple days ago not, in terms awesome. of yeah, not playing like, look like I, I don't know what his yeah. right now. Like, I don't know what's going on right. with like everyone with COVID like conditioning that's things fair. don't necessarily mean the worst thing in the world, like whatever. Um, but oh, yeah, man. no, like, We've we've completely screwed up here. I just realized there's a guy who the guy like the guy I'm going to take here is Terrence Mann. I can't like I can't believe we oh, we we've, we've, yeah. over, we've overlooked him. Like and sorry. I love Terrence Mann too. Um, yeah, we probably should have. Where where should we have taken Mann realistically? Because I would have taken him over Cam Radish. I probably, I, probably I, would have, I would have taken him over. I would have taken him in the in the Dort spot. I think. 
similar players, but I think I I think I trust Man's sort of overall feel more than I do Dort. Okay, so you would have taken Dort. Would you have taken Terrence Mann over Cam Johnson? No. Okay, so you would have taken Terrence Mann. Where did you take Dort? You took him at thirteen. I think they take him. Yeah, I think I'm thirteen. So I think I would. Yeah, would have taken him at thirteen. Okay, I would have taken Dort fourteen. Okay, you would have taken. I still would have taken who, Claxton fifteen. Right, um, and then and then you get to reddish, right? And then I get to reddish. Yeah, actually, no, I would have taken reddish at fourteen still over Dort. Okay. So then you would have taken Dort, Dort at, 15. at fifteen. Yeah, I would have taken. Cody Martin at 16, you would have taken Claxton, Claxton at 17. Yeah. Okay. And now we're back at yeah. 18 and I'm up. Um <sighs> Yeah. I'm going to go Grant Williams. Um Grant Williams is a favorite of both of ours. Uh Grant Williams is still a great per, like positional defender who can play like that four or five role. The thing with Grant this year is he's shooting 45% from three. Uh, if Useful. that continues, he's a definite playoff player, like definitely really useful guy. If he's going to keep shooting like that, I don't know if he will, but I'm, I, I'm intrigued enough by the shooting jump that I will go Grant Williams here. I think this is, Man, you know what? I'm actually gonna like like contradict myself. And really, the two players I think about here are are probably are are Brandon Clark and Nas Reed. And man, I think just for the shooting, I probably go Nas. Like I know I know uh, Clark shot the ball really well his rookie year has been not only like hasn't shot it as well, but has also been a pretty reluctant shooter, which is as, which is a pretty big deal for, for, for my evaluation. Um, so I think that I would go. Yeah. I think I would go Nas Reed here at 19. Do you hate that? I do, but like, I also <laughs> like Nas Reed. Like yeah. I like him, you know, I, I liked him pre-draft. I think I had him like as a top 35 guy. Um, yeah, I am going to go Nasir Little here. I think he's okay. shown enough in terms of like energy, activity. There's enough shooting upside there. The guys that we did not pick that were highest on my board, Brandon Clark, Chuma Okiki, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, who's just been so inefficient and yeah. such a gunner like throughout his career so far that I think it's just kind of hard to project that. Are, are, are we just completely out on like Hachimura and Jackson Hayes and Kobe White? So Kobe White was next for me. I actually had Kobe White ahead of Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, I had Kobe White. It looks like at I had Kobe White ahead of like Nick Claxton, right? Um, I'm intrigued enough with what I've seen, but I, I think that again, he's one of those guys where it's just really, really hard. It's really, really hard to be that kind of player and make it work in the NBA. And then Hachimura, like Hachimura ended up just being like a, for me, the tiebreaker was, Hey, he hasn't played this year. I don't know what's going on there. Right. This is a weird situation. It seems like I'm just not going to go with it. 
you know what I mean. Um, Darius Baisley is another guy. Jackson Hayes has shown some signs this year, like over the course of the last month. Yeah, he's um, then Caleb Martin, like Kevin Porter Jr. is obviously in the news for the wrong reasons right now, but it's got obvious talent. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what to do with Kevin Porter like Jr. Um, Ter- Terrence Davis, like, and it, but yeah. once you start to once you start to mention like Terrence Davis, like okay, let, we're I think we're good here. <laughs> like, I think might be might be yeah. time to move forward. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other like undrafted like O'Shea Brissett had a nice playoff game last year. Um, Garrison Matthews has actually been like really good for Houston. Yeah, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, but like I think yeah. the, the idea of him is still like much better than the product we've seen. Yeah. Like Garrison Matthews, I think I would legitimately take in the top 30. Yeah, Um, I think that's right. Yeah. uh, He's been really, really good. I think uh, also I I would be remiss and we're going to end on this note. My dearly beloved, the king of my heart, Max Struess. Yes. I was hoping that's what you'd say. There you go. Just the, the best. The most important person in the NBA, Max Drews. Uh, I mean, you're, you know, he could, you, you could be, he could be your stunt double. I love Max Drews. I love him so much. <laughs> uh, Seth, tell the people where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me uh, on the Athletic at Seth Partnow uh, on Twitter, and I am starting a new show actually in about three minutes on on uh, the Call In app. Um, I'm uh, talking with you can you can also listen to it afterwards. I'm talking to uh, Ben Taylor today about uh, uh, legacy and awards and how we talk about these things and why they matter and wherever else the day takes us. Ben Taylor is just the best. I need to get Ben on the podcast just to like, is there like, it's funny. I I mentioned Ben Taylor on the podcast regularly. Like, is there a better, like just person talking about basketball than Ben Taylor? Like, I I don't know that there is. I love him. Certainly the most, one of the the most reliable, this will be a good conversation people around. Just, just like such a good person to talk to. Like, I don't even like have like the, like I'm not nearly as close as Ben uh, with Ben as you are, but just the best. Just such a good person. Um, Seth, this has been fun. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back next week. Uh, We're going to do midseason awards with Fred Katz, and we're going to do the typical Penny Draft Podcast. But until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.